Hey. I'm on. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's Dr. Lisa and I'm here with my first radio, my first installment of Dr. Lisa gives a shit. Um so um it's pretty incredible. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. It's part of Brooklyn Free Radio. And uh, I'm just really excited to be here. And thanks for listening, whoever you are out there. And the other, so let's, uh, you know, we're on, there's a little bit of a learning curve here. And um, my guest today is uh, Tom Tenney, who is actually the, the instigator behind the entire him and uh, Rob Pritchard have both put this brand new radio station together, which is a huge, crazy, insane, um, monstrous, monstrous uh, undertaking. So I thought a great way to get started, uh, since I'm planning on doing a lot of psychotherapy on this show. As you may know, or if you may not know, I am Dr. Lisa, the self-proclaimed psychotherapist. I've been doing psychotherapy on stage, on the street, on um, pod. I have done some podcasts, and um, I've been doing it since 2001. So I have actually quite a bit of experience at this point. But anyway, we have Tom here today because I thought he would be a great guest and a great way for us to find out a little bit about the thinking behind this station, how this station got started, and a way that I can actually kind of intuitively get into my role here as a psychotherapist, self-proclaimed psychotherapist on this station. So, um, okay, so Tom, hello, Tom. Hello, Lisa. Is my mic on? It should be all it, the way up. It, all the way up. All the yep. way up. Oh, there, so, there I am. There. Tom's probably going to walk me through this. Well, well, well anyway. I'm, I'm patient slash technician today. Tom is, um, Tom, first of all, um, I want to find out how Tom got into this and like what kind of mentality has in order to do this. Uh, so, but today, um, before we get started, I just need to start off with a little bit of countertransference so that we can sort of start on a, you know, clean note. Now, your real psychotherapist doesn't do countertransference, although I believe she should, which is my feeling about the patient, the, pa- the, the feelings that I've transferred on to Tom, Okay. The feelings Tom transfers on to me are trans are just regular old transference, but this is countertransference. All therapists have it, but therapists also don't spend any time outside of the, you know, the the the, the shrink room, the shrink office with their patients. So, uh, in, in this is how I this is how I deal with it, and it's very effective for me. And I think for for I think we all learn something here. So, Tom. Um, First of all, one of the things, if you haven't noticed, is um, I'm incredibly afraid of authority. So that's we're starting with that, and you okay. are authority figure to me. Okay. Okay, so that's, that's from my childhood, mm-hmm. um, from my frightening parents. But um, I wanted to point out that I thought we had, um, and we don't, I know Tom through our mutual friend, Reverend Jen, 
who uh, I bet a lot of you listeners may have heard of. And Reverend Jen is an extraordinary person. I think Tom has known her a lot longer than I have, but that is how we've met. And um, Tom, was she ever, you You started out doing, uh, per, running a performance venue, is that right? Well, I didn't start out running a performance venue. I uh, I started out producing stuff at Surf Reality, actually. Oh, okay. And um, well, first I had, I had a show at Tonic, then I moved it to Surf Reality, then in 2002, I did open uh, a performance space called Space on Avenue B and 14th Street, East oh. Village. Yeah. So was Reverend Jen one of your guests on the, or you know, performer on those shows? Or? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and the 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 show that I did for four years at Surf was called Grindhouse a Go Go, and Reverend Jen was a regular uh, in the cast in all of those shows. We used to do a different show every, a new show every month. It wow. was like a midnight show. It was really super fun. That must have been awesome. It was great. I had such a like nine to nine job in those days. Yeah, so, I so did I, so did I, and and believe me, it's like I got very little sleep back in those days. Yeah, well, you've got you've got energy, good <laughs> energy, I guess. I guess. Um, and you weren't dealing you weren't dealing with like uh, trying to get a relation relationship together, or maybe you were. I don't know. We'll find out. I, I was trying to get everything together, relationships <laughs> included. Okay, so we. We established that we know each other through Reverend Jen, although we don't know each other really well, very, very much at all, mostly through parties and, and saying hello. And uh, I've been a supporter of your festival, um, though I haven't been very involved in it, but I, I'm very aware of it. It's mm-hmm. gotten a lot of attention. And uh, Reverend Jen now has a black cat that is uh, difficult to deal with that's named after you. Is that right? <laughs> right. I'm not sure. I mean, I hope that she didn't name it after me because it was difficult to deal with, but it's entirely possible. Well, I'm sure it's because it was... I, I mean, Je- Reverend Jen loves a cat, and, you know, yeah. I mean, that's its character, but she likes that about all animals. Um, right, and she actually named it after me because she um, uh, missed my birthday party in, while she was rescuing it, so... Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's a good. That's good to know. Yeah. Okay. So, just to just the counter-transference story that I wanted to relate was um, during the, our training session, I actually tripped over something. Um, I tripped over a, a microphone wire or a headphone wire, and I broke this piece of equipment. This huge, huge piece of equipment here, which turned out to be not nearly I thought it was gonna be like thousands but it was ninety ninety nine dollars which is in my budget so we were able to resolve that whole thing um pretty I thought that was like a really good exchange in a way because we went went through something tense together and resolved it fairly simply with some trust and it stuck in my head that when it was done that you had said something like well we got that out of the way (laughs) and that really like Tom, that really like stuck with me because it made me feel like, oh, this is what happens normally and it's okay. We went through it and now we're past that. We don't have to go through that again. Right. And and that's sort of, you know, that, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of things with this operation is that, you know, don't like things are going to break. Things are going to fail. Your show, you're going to listen, tune into your show one day and it's not going to be there. And I'm not, I'm not saying... You know, we suck at what we do. I'm saying that 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 things happen, and not to 
stress out too much about them. Okay. You know, and it, and and so that statement was just kind of like, okay, well, we were probably gonna break a piece of equipment in the first week, so we did it, <laughs> and so we can check that off the list and move on. Okay. Well, I noticed. I know. Anyway, that that struck a chord with me. I was like, oh, he he's like he. This is not a big deal to like he he's you're ready. So I wanted to like find out about you and your background. How how you would be what in your nature would make you want to take on I mean explain the explain the the complexity of the project if you can because it involves like how many new it's all new technology or new technology put together and and all new new radios explain what you're taking on please Right. So, you know, whereas most people, if they launch an internet radio station, they want, you know, they want to launch something where they can play their music a couple times a week and have their friends tune in or whatever. It's just not in my nature to do anything small like that. <laughs> it's like if I do something, I have to do it huge and I have to do it. I have to do it like earth shakingly important and you know and it's kind of a problem actually because i really wish i could do small things and not care so much about them but um you know also i i it may be relevant that i am uh i'm a diagnosed bipolar ah so i have what's called hyper hyper focus ah so and so when i get and and the, the way that my mind works is that i love big systems and they and like they're big giant Rube Goldberg machines and logic problems and you know and it's I absolutely love that and even though it makes me insane and I end up like missing important things that I'm responsible for while I'm putting it together and really it's kind of unhealthy uh, (laughs) but at the same time it's really really gratifying when it's when it's done when it's up and running so like now we have a 24-7 you know internet radio network that we launched with 40 shows 16 coming in june and this is we just started building this in march so i'm i'm pretty happy with it so far. wow it's like it's mind-boggling to me but it sounds like this isn't the first time you've put something of this magnitude together well right i mean and that's so like all of my you know remix media festival i didn't want to do just one show one year i wanted to do a whole festival that ran over several days in several venues and that was an annual event and you know um you know even grindhouse a go-go the show that ran for four years at surf reality i wanted to do something that was that was big that wasn't just a kind of a one-off show um so how like um what what where where is the satisfaction i mean can you can you just i mean there's could be so many places to have it but is there a way that you can sort of define it or a way that you personally think of it this like what you're getting out of it because it's obviously i mean look at me i got this whole radio show this is incredible but um, you're 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 passionate about it. I want to hear about where wh- what form that is in. Yeah, I mean that's a great question because it does have that sort of you know the personal gratification thing. But then there's also you know uh, one of our reasons for starting this. You know both both Rob and I are very passionate about being able to give artists a, a platform to kind of experiment and do what they want. And you know not everything has to be. Uh, you know, this, you know, polished kind of MTV hyper, 
hyper, mm-hmm. hyper, you know, hyper corporate version of things as, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, the, and that seems to be kind of what's as the indie scene gets phased out in New York because of real estate. Right. right. There's no place to right. actually do anything anymore. Right. We started to think about, well, where could we actually do this where to where it would be feasible? And we and then the idea of, of, of this, you know, of this radio station came around. And we both thought it was a, a fantastic idea. Now, not that said, not everybody who contributes to this is this isn't necessarily going to be everybody's medium. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. some people are going to try it and they're going to go, um, the just audio thing isn't for me. And that's fine. You right. Know? Right. Um, but but the idea is that we want uh, all of those artists who used to have such a strong voice in New York City, you know, in Manhattan, when the whole, you know, LES scene was was thriving in the late 90s, early 2000s. We want them to continue to have a voice. And to not just, you know, have to stay at home and make YouTube videos. Well, this is a great, and this is actually very timely because podcasts and all this radio stuff is coming right back. So it's kind of a, almost a modern, more modern, it's it's future, It's like a pro- natural progression right in a way yeah i mean and that and that definitely factored into our decision to do this too i mean with the success of serial suddenly audio was the, the all the rage mm-hmm. again um and uh, so the timing was really good so um if 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 you know and also uh you know i'm i'm here to protect and and honor all of your boundaries but um so please don't hesitate to make me aware I, of I, them I, I have no boundaries <laughs> oh great perfect yeah um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about your bipolarness. I didn't sure. know that you were bipolar. How 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 did you find out? How and how does this affect you? What is that like? Well, oh, God, there's some. This mic is really being is wacky. Um, sorry, you guys, if it fits. Uh, it sounds like it's distorting uh, sounds, a little bit. Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. Good. So, uh, well, my dad was was bipolar and wasn't diagnosed till he was in his, I guess, sixties. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, I always sort of knew I had kind of the same tendencies that he had, but I never really kind of, you know, I always sort of wanted thought that, oh, these are things that I can handle myself, and I don't need, mm-hmm. you know, a therapist, or I didn't, you know. And then in 2008, I just had this complete and total meltdown. I'm not going to go into like com- all the details about it, but I ended up in a psych ward for a week. Wow. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so I, you know, I started going to a psychiatrist. I had to start going to a psychiatrist. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, after several sessions, um, gave me a, a diagnosis of, bi- I'm not severely bipolar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a continuum, it's a spectrum, you know, um, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely on that spectrum and, um, you know, and, and it, it, it's good because it helps me understand, you know, my own behavior and why I do things. And it, it gives me sort of a, almost like a third party perspective on it, you know. That's a healthy attitude. Like, you mean like putting a name and label to it yeah. is like, okay, this is the way I am and I can just work with this. Right, exactly. And it, I think being bipolar may have some advantages. I mean, some people... You get shit done. Some people... I mean, I've read I've read a bit. I've read a bit. Yeah. Um, and um, describe, like you said, what was your father like? What was he like? What was your relationship with him like? Him, him being bipolar and all. Yeah, I mean, it was really difficult. I mean, I so I should say that my parents split up when I was two and a half years old. So oh. I did not, I did not grow up with my dad in the house. But we, I did sort of grow up with him around. Mm-hmm. He lived in the same city since oh. from the time I was five, kind of on, and we saw him um, fairly frequently. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it was difficult. I mean, he was, he was difficult to be around. There was one time he was driving us home. 
and in a fit of road rage, um, deliberately got us into an accident. Like deli- deliberately drove his car what? into the car ahead of us. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. See, therapists aren't allowed to say that, but they're fucking thinking it. Come <laughs> yeah. on, how could you not? Yeah. Oh my god. So, did would you call him a rage rageaholic too? Uh, yeah, I guess. But I think what? that I mean rageaholic is so rage comes from all different kinds of places. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. so so describe him just a little bit more. I mean, I want to. I want to. What did he do for, for a living? He was a lawyer. What kind of? Lawyer? And well, he so he, I mean mainly contract law by the end of his life. But he had been, you know, uh, when I was really super young, he had been. Uh, a part of many law firms and, mm-hmm. and uh, found himself fired, I think, from most of them. And we then as a result, we moved around the country a, uh. a bit when I was uh, when I was a very small child. Um, and uh, he also taught. I mean, he so he and I have a, so many similar qualities, like we both love teaching and mm-hmm. uh you know, he was the dean of a of the law school of Commonwealth Law in Massachusetts mm-hmm. for a while, and the last twenty years of his life, he kind of he worked for the state and didn't um, he didn't really do very much. It was really kind of awful uh, because he you could tell you know go and see him at his office and he was always just doing crossword puzzles. You know, he wasn't doing anything mm. that seemed really mm. fulfilling to him. So right. you know that was that was sort of sad. But 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 the you know my relationship with him as a kid was was always problematic. Um, you know, for a while I thought, well, maybe he's an alcoholic. He drank a lot of wine. Like, maybe he's an alcoholic. I don't really know. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it sort of all made sense when he, you know, finally went to a doctor and well, got diagnosed. Well, are you saying that his behavior was erratic? I mean, yeah, yeah, and was. was he And was he abusive? No. Well, no. Uh, I mean, although, I mean, driving the not, car into a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that certainly could be construed as, as being abusive. Um but was it more like he got really angry and then that was it? Like he got his anger? Did he get, did he have, I'm picturing him as somebody who would like blow up. Yeah, he would, yeah, mm-hmm. he would blow up. And then after he blew up, it was over and that was it? Yeah, I, I guess. It, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's really hard to say because each one of these incidents seems like such an isolated thing because hmm. because it wasn't like, again, like we weren't, a, he wasn't around. Right. So I didn't see the whole progression of mm-hmm. the whole thing. I would just see these these parts of it. Right, because you saw him for... Right, um, for like a day at a time or mm-hmm. something. Did you, you know? ever stay over? Yeah, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I did. So brothers yeah. or sisters? Do you have brothers or sisters? I, I have two older sisters, and I have a um, stepsister and a stepbrother. Oh, that's interesting, because I was sure you were going to be like the oldest. No, I'm the young... Uh, well, of my two... Of my, sibl- so of my natural they, siblings, I'm the youngest. Yeah, I would have thought you were like, did you have a role like that when you were growing up, like, you know, running, running things? Was that part of, you know, something that you No, and in fact, and in fact, I mean, I think that maybe part of the reason that that I'm so obsessed with running things now is that I didn't as a, you know, I felt really, as the youngest, I felt kind of powerless, actually. Ah, so, um... Like, were you not allowed to do things? What was the powerless, powerlessness like? Well, I mean, it, uh, I, I was the only boy in, you know, with two sisters and a mom. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like there was just some kind of a club that I was never part of. Oh. And I still sort of feel like that a little, <laughs> a little bit, you know. Um, they all live in California. I live out here. They kind of really don't know what I do. And, They're know, all, and like, are they all really close? 
Yeah. Like oh girls. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. You know, like and like girls. right, they all they live in the same area. Like my sister's kids, my you know, my nieces and nephews are all like best friends with each other, oh. and you know. Oh, so you're like a fam- really family-oriented guy without a family. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it, yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense now. Yeah. But you, you think they have a good thing. You, I mean, you're like, that looks like fun if I could uh, only oh. wear, try on all the clothes with them and, you know, Google <laughs> over the goo-goo over the babies. And, is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I want to try on clothes with them. Well, but... no, but I mean, if it was fun for you or whatever. Right, right, right. I mean, and, you know, and I, and I really do love going out there and spending time with them. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, I love my family desperately, like I, more than anything. I and, get that, yeah. You know, and... Um, and you know, just I do get I do get really sad at times that I'm I'm so far away and that I'm you know I don't have a, a family here. But uh, that said, I do have something of a kind of a, almost a family network yeah. here. You yeah, know? you I definitely mean, do. I yeah. mean, I'm sort of like you know, I mean, I I'm I'm late, literally late to the party on that, but I feel part of that too. And it is a very welcoming family. Right. You know, especially like with Reb Jen. I mean, she's so welcoming. She's very welcoming. And um, so, um, and you know, you guys all are to and to each other. But but but, um, what was I going to say? So, um, are they kind of normal? Because you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're you know compared to me, they're definitely um, much more normal. They're conventional. Let's do a station ID before I forget. Let's talk about. Um, so this is Radio Free Brooklyn. Is there anything else I'm supposed to say now, Tom? No, you're just... I'm you're just, just, I'm just, I'm yeah. just getting it in there. I'm getting it in there. And we have a sponsor today. I'm wearing a um, Jim Kempner Madness of Art shirt. So I want to make sure that everybody knows about the Jim Kempner Gallery, which is a great gallery. And the Madness of Art is the best web series that's ascended of the art world. And um, if you haven't checked it out, you should, because it's really, really funny. The guy that runs it, Jim Kempner, is also like a comedian. So there, uh, he's one of our sponsors today. And we're also sponsored by, um, by um, oh my God. We're also sponsored by, um, Jesus. Why this is exactly how sponsors love to be pre- presented. I know. The, our sponsor, uh, who are they? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's the first. It's the first. Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell. See, I got nervous because we had such a big sponsor. Paul, Paul, Mitchell, Paul Mitchell, the hair product people. Yeah, Paul Mitchell, because um, they're one of our sponsors. They're really good. If you need to wash your hair, you should get Paul Mitchell um, conditioner and hair hair shampoo. Okay, a sponsor. There, I put a plug in for them. So, and now we now we can uh, continue on about um, your normal family. Okay. So they all live they all live out there, and you live out here, and there's there's kind of a cultural divide. Um, so I want to know. So I I'm really bad at. I have to always ask this too because I suck at telling whether people are gay or straight. I are you you're hetero. I'm bisexual. You're bi. See, isn't that interesting? Yeah. But you know what? I mean, I I sort of think. I mean, I, I well, I don't know if we really want to get into that, but uh, I mean, I, I think that again, like I think that sexual, I I think of oh, sexuality a as as a spectrum, as a continuum. I don't think of it as an okay. e- either or. So. Okay, because the question I was going to ask, if yeah. you were, let's let's see how how this relates. I mean, I was curious to, I was wondering about since, like, say you were heterosexual, how your how your relationship with your family would have influenced your relationship about women and wanting to be in charge and them being in charge and all that but um 
let's just say like I got a sense that having you know so let's I don't let's, think that that is, is that specific to to, to home well to, to to gay or straight or anything I mean I think no. that that's that's something that's just a part of relationships and I think that uh, we definitely family dynamics get played out always to some degree in in, in relationships and I and also I've I've never like you know I mean I say I'm bisexual but all of my relationships have been with women hmm so, um, yeah, no, and I agree with what you're saying, but, I mean, it's just a matter of if you really identify definitely as straight and you, you were more likely to, to project female family members onto your partner, and you know what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know what you're so it's just yeah. a way of yeah. looking at the world yeah, yeah, is all yeah. it is, sure, and I sure. agree with you. Yeah. So, um, but, okay, so let's talk about um, your relationships. I mean, because I'm curious, but it's also a good way to, like, see how somebody's life plays out for them yeah so so are you in a relationship now i am not in a relationship at the moment so have you had a lot of long-term relationships it depends on what you mean by a lot uh i've had yeah i mean i've I've had several usually my you know long-term relationships tend to last about you know two two to four years Mm -hmm. and um you know, and they don't always end, you know, terribly. They Sometimes they just, you know, you kind of just reach the end. You're like, okay, we, we kind of did all that we were going to do with this, and so let's mm-hmm. move on. Right, right, right. You know. So what about being, so you've obviously never been married. I have never been married. I'm wondering if all your your drive and activities get in the way of you having long, I mean, yeah, you've had long. They, they do. They, that definitely, that definitely gets in the way. I mean, I, I'll, you know, I will, I, I will totally cop to that. I mean, my, the, the last long-term relationship that I had ended um, and it was, you know, it ended on a really bad note and, and I will say not because of anything that I did, but I will say, but also the, the, the tension that kind of led up to it did have to do with the fact that I was still in grad school. Mm-hmm. I was very, very focused on, mm-hmm. uh, on being like the best student ever. Like I had to, like, I was not going to graduate without a 4.0. Wow. You know, I wasn't going, that wasn't, wow. gonna, that wasn't going to happen. And so I was, so I became really, really super hyper-focused on my work. Um, and I, even after my girlfriend and I moved in together, I got a separate studio space that I could go and work in just because I needed to be right. able, I needed to be able to focus and it was really hard to do when when somebody else was around me or like even like eating Doritos like two rooms over you know <laughs> yeah the Doritos are the biggest yeah those are those are relationship <laughs> they're, killers they're <laughs> I, I've heard a, look you, you know you're not the first person who's complained about that in a relationship I know someone who's married who complains about that a lot actually about Doritos yeah, about the chomping of Doritos. Yeah, is a, yeah, it can wear there's, on you. Right? No, there's something about the chomping. Yeah, not that we don't love Doritos, for God's sakes. If you're going to chomp. Oh no, for sure. Because <laughs> we're I'm pitching them to be our next sponsor along with. Paul Are Mitchell. you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really weird. Like Doritos has come up several times for me this week in various contexts. Really? It's, yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. It's the universe something trying about, to. I think it's our audience is <laughs> Doritos. One of my close friends is a huge Dorito fan. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um so, okay. So, we're 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 drilling down really Tom to tell you the truth. We're tri- we're dr- we're drilling down to see what your level of intimacy is. Yeah. Um so so okay. So, you are really driven. You are really driven. And why did you need to get such good grades? What was that what was that about? Were you 
You know, I I don't know, but but this is you know I'm I'm sure it has you know partly to do with the 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 bipolar thing and being you know in the whole sort of hyper focus aspect of that. Um, mm -hmm. But even when I was a kid, it was like the, I remember the first time that I ever skipped school. Right, was um, I had there was this contest to write uh, a, a um, reports on 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 various states of the united states and it was a road race we had cars that went across a map and like every state that we wrote a report on we could move the car through that map and so i was determined to be first and uh and somebody beat me mm -hmm. and i raised my hand and i said well I wrote a report on all 50 states <laughs> and, then, and then it immediately cast the other person into just my shadow and everyone was like, whoa, that's amazing. And I was like, yeah, I don't have it with me, but I'll bring it in tomorrow. And of course, I had only written like maybe 12 reports. Wow. So I went home and I stayed up all night and I skipped school the next day and, and I was only in like fifth grade. Wow. And I was so scared. I remember I pulled the curtains in the house. And I, I, when I had to go from room to room, I would crawl on my hands and knees so my neighbors wouldn't see me in the window. That's really insane. But, yeah. And uh, and so, but I, I wrote all 50 reports and I brought them in the next day. And did you get like an A on that? Yeah. Uh -huh. like that? Yeah. I, want, I mean, I... I, I, the other person won a prize too, but they gave me a, they gave me another, like they, we like split the prize, right? So. Holy cow. He must've, that, that person's probably talking not to a therapist right now, <laughs> someplace else. So what about like, was your mom like super impressed? Did you get support or were, were they totally, were they freaked out or impressed no, or how did they handle it? No, like, I don't think they were super impressed. I mean, you know what the prize was? It was a freaking, uh, it was a, a gift certificate for an ice cream cone at Brigham's. That's pretty good. <laughs> that was the prize. Not bad, not bad. But it wasn't about what the prize was. It was about winning. It was, it was about winning. So was yeah. that, was, what is that? Is that a self-esteem thing, an ego thing, a challenge thing? What do you think that is? Well, I don't know. You're the therapist. Well, you know, I, um, well, I'm trying to find out. I mean, I'm trying yeah. to find out. I mean, do you, ha you know, it's all coming from you, Tom. I know, I, I get it. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, well, we'll have to think about that. I, I, but I, I'm, I, gonna, I, I'm gonna think about that. And when I get to know you better, I'll tell you what I think. I think it, I think it has some. I think it has something to do with the feeling of powerlessness, you ah, know, ah. and the wanting to have, you know, get attention or be powerful in some area. Right. You know? So, like, when you were growing up, um, like, were, because you had two older sisters, were a lot of decisions made, like, around your sisters? Like, if, like, your mom, if, like, everybody said, let's paint the house, the, the, the front door of the house and the outside of the house pink, and you were like, fuck no, but, like... Did this out? Did that happen? Anyway? I mean, I, I, I'm gonna. I will say yes based on my experience and my memory. I, uh -huh. I, I would, I would, I would imagine that my mom and or my sisters would probably have a different answer. You know, uh. so I think it really is all about perception. And you know, I mean, in memory is such a slippery thing. It's uh, like yeah. we, we we remember things the way that we want to remember them, and you know, it's not like our minds are little video recorders. They everything memory is just completely subjective. Yeah, so. no, and I. I agree with you completely on that, but but what I'm what I'm interested as your uh, therapist here is your feelings, right? So I mean, if it fe not not nothing against your family for God's sake, they obviously did a pretty damn good job, yeah. But um, and you love them and and all that that's clear, yeah. But um, I'm just wondering if um, you have you have you may have some anger, you may have some residual oh, anger. You think 
<laughs> like, but I want to hear, like, tell me one of the things. Is there something you remember that they did? Because I could see it. You know, how much older are they than you? Uh, not that. I mean, my oldest sister is five years older and my other sister is three years older. Okay. So we have like a four-year-old boy and a seven, eight-year-old and a 10, 11-year-old and your mom. They all want pink. So there's yeah. this little kid going, ooh, and then they give you like a, you know, they'll like give you something to manipulate you to be, keep you quiet for a few minutes, and that's done. It's The decisions made, time marches on. Yeah. So do you have any memories like that? Is there anything like sticks out for you where you got kind of overruled or it was a girly thing or any of that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, my, my feel, again, it's like, and I don't trust my memory at all, but my, my feeling is that I, I felt like that all the time, right? Really? That, oh, yeah, that I, that, that I was constantly sort of, um, you know, getting, you know, getting overruled. I mean, I really felt like I was just this sort of like, you know, I, like I didn't have any, any allies and they were all allied, you know? Wow. And, uh, and, you know, and that's just, you know, partly it's being the youngest, partly it's being the only boy. Right. Right. But, it was circumstances clearly. And, you know, um, no, I get it. I get how that all happened, but yeah, so that 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 is definitely a a, a big uh, or a factor in and but in your growing up. But you right. you actually what's really cool is that you made it into a really positive thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you could say that. Although I don't know, so you you seem like you um have not had a lot of really really intimate relationships with a significant other. That I have not. Yeah, I mean, we're going to say that because, or in, in, it seems to me because there's like, there's a resistance to it. Maybe you don't feel like you need it. Um, do, do you, do you, like, do you feel like you have trust issues? Do you feel like you, you're well, going to, you're going to be dominated by um, another person or what, what do you think it's about? No, I mean, I, and I, I, I have to, I mean, just back mm -hmm. up a little and say that I don't entirely agree with your characterization. Okay. Please that, explain it. That, yeah. Well, that, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that, um, you know, like I said, like some, some of the long-term relationships have been really satisfying and awesome. And, you know, and in fact, mm -hmm. most have, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't, you know, you know, there, there are issues I think that come up with any two personalities, you know, um, that, sure. because everybody has different upbringings. Everybody's, you know, sort of, vision or their movie of the world that plays in their head um is a is a little bit is a little bit different from everybody else's right, right? so right, it's always right. intimacy is always a matter of of trying to if not yeah. if not have the other person's movie in your head at least understand you know try mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. try to try to get it try no, to put sub subtitles on it so right. that you can you know yeah and uh and, and so i don't i don't think that it's like i particularly have um you know intimacy issues but that said, I mean, there are things that are super important to me and that, um, frankly, I have been, you know, unwilling to sacrifice right. for a relationship. Like, honestly, so it was it was at that moment in time that this was going on with my last, last ex-girlfriend. Mm -hmm. It was the most important thing to me was to be, you know, this um, amazing student with a 4.0 average, and, right. you know, and, and, um, right. and, and, you know, and, and, and that served me professionally, you know, because I, I did do that. And I, you know, and I was the, the day that I graduated, I was offered a teaching job. And so wow. I don't think that, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to be like, I wanted to be a star. And right. so I made myself into a star. Right, 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 right. 
And that was actually, I mean, that stuff is really good, like planning for the future. I'm wondering if the girls, like, I guess maybe I'm projecting as a girl. Yeah. I'm projecting on the girls. I'm projecting that the girls are saying, the girls that you've gone out with are saying things like, I, I really like Tom. I wish he was more available. I wish he they, they, made me more of a priority. Is that what? Do we? Is that? that it, that's that, that. That's that. That's that's possible. That's entirely possible that they could be saying that. Um, but you know, I will also say that the women that I'm most attracted to are women who are um, passionate about their own things in their life too. You right. know what I mean? And so, like, I don't. I don't necessarily believe that that two people have to shape themselves in the other on the other's image you know I, right. I i believe in in two strong independent people who are doing interesting things who you know who can share those things with each other but their lives don't have to be like this sort of like intermingled intertwined mess right 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 that sounds i mean that does sound healthy so um with all the devotion or not devotion but i mean it i think it's Look, I think it's amazing. I think it's a real gift to have um, some passion to, to th- for something. I mean, um, you know, I certainly feel this way about my work where that you can focus so hard on it and it can be so just consuming and, and, and it's a like, relationship with something outside of yourself that's really satisfying and, right. can, and also can be good for other people. Um, but so if there, if I, if, if, if I was going to say maybe your life, maybe if you ever feel like your life isn't balanced, if you ever feel that way, what would you say, what would be like, not the balance, what would balance it more? Oh, there are so many things that could balance it more. Um, there are so many things that I'm bad at in just life wise, you know what I mean? Like, like finance, like I'm terrible personal finance. Like I'm the worst. Like I, like, uh. You know, and, and it's like I and it's like I know this and I sort of and, and the and and I don't do anything about it and I wonder why I don't do anything about it and then it gets worse and um so you know there's there's things like that that I just feel like I just I can't for you know, for some reason I can't um like just money just freaks me the fuck out I, so you don't like to think about it or you don't like to t- keep track of it or? All, all of that stuff all of it like i don't like i don't like to check my bank account because i don't even if i have a lot of money i don't it's always going to be probably less than i thought it was going to be and that's going to freak me out right. and um, i never looked at my pay stubs i never uh you know do you do you, uh, do you owe money do you want to oh i owe so much money oh my god um, i am in such debt I, I have like i have a student loan of about seventy thousand wow, dollars this whole student loan things uh, i know i know incredible I know. well you know i think who was it um i think it was liam mcinney or somebody recently on on one of these shows said something like you know what are you gonna do come repossess my knowledge of medieval philosophy <laughs> <laughs> you know? and it's sort of it's kind of a good way to look at it you know because it's like all right i shouldn't maybe be stressing that much about my student loans um i mean my credit is already for shit i mean i know i can't you know right buy a car or you know buy Which, a house right but you're not like that's not something that is in your that's not like your goal in life no, that's fine. And I actually have a car. I mean, I just bought a used car. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't really, that doesn't freak me out. But what it, do, it does freak me out when I have to look for an apartment in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's always tough. You know? Yeah, I mean, I know people that have, like, 
good job, you know, let have good money, and they yeah. ask for all these pay stubs and shit. Oh, my like. God. Yeah, it's crazy. And and last time I was looking for an apartment, I had found this really, really nice place up here in Knickerbocker, and um, I was about ready to sign the lease, and the realtor said, oh, you know, the landlord's a little bit concerned about your credit, so uh, just as an assurance, he, he's going to raise the rent a um, 100 a month. Oh, that and, sucks. Well, and not only does it suck, it doesn't make any sense. Why you? So you're concerned about my ability to pay, <laughs> therefore you're going to charge me more? Right. I don't like, you know. Right. I thought you were going to say, so we're going to ask for a certain amount up front or something Yeah, like no, that. no. He wanted to charge me more each month. And, and that, to me, is just like, okay, well, he probably really wasn't concerned about my credit. He saw that as, as an excuse to ask for more money. So it sounds like, you know, it sounds like, you know, it's really, it's it's pretty interesting because you obviously are somebody really driven and hardworking. And if money was your motivation, then you would probably have a pretty good amount of money, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and and I remember my dad coming and visiting me in L.A. when I was living in total squalor and I was doing the actor thing out there. And, and I just remember him saying to me, you know, I just have to remind myself that if you wanted to be a CEO of a cor- corporation, that's what you would be right now. And But this is what you're choosing to do. And it, and, and it is, you know. It's like that line in, in, in Citizen Kane. There's nothing to making a lot of money if all you want to do is make a lot of money. Right. 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 So then that's never been a goal for me. Um, sure. So, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and I think that, that that's, you know, part of the reason that it freaks me out is that I just, you know, I need to make, I'm, I'm, I'm. I worry about my ability even just to have enough to be able to, like, eat and sustain myself, right, you know? Right, right. And that's what I was going to ask you about, too, stability. Like, right. do you have enough stability in your life? Do you ever feel like... No, but I. But when I... those times that I do, I really kind of crave the instability. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know? But it's mm-hmm. like, because I'm more creative when I'm when things are a little un- uncertain and unstable. You, you like a little bit of tension. Yeah. But you don't want... It's, 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 it's interesting because if you, get a, if you get some financial instability, you can put all your anxiety on that stuff, which isn't like that, you know, interesting or whatever. Whereas it'd be worse if you had it about your projects because that would be more stressful in a way. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the opposite of that. That's interesting. I learned something there. Like I put my, I not that I'm like, you know, financial stability is a big thing for me. Um, just, you know, modest financial stability. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I put all my anxiety in my work. Right, 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 right. So, right. you know, it'd be great just to p- reverse those. Maybe, maybe I should try, you know, you know, trying, try that, try that, try to like, I don't know. <laughs> try, <laughs> try all my money away. Try, try freaking out about money. Yeah. Try freaking out about money. Not that, uh, well, whatever. But, um, so, um, did, uh, what was I going to say? I wanted to find out more about your mother though. What did, what was oh, your yeah. mom like? What was your, what's your relationship with, oh, she's my, still alive? Your dad yeah, died? Yeah. My dad died in 2002 and my mom is still going and my mom is going to, I mean, my mom just turned 80 and she's, wow. I would not be surprised if she lived uh, past a hundred years old. I mean, she's yeah. just has one of those spirits, you know? Um, she's an amazing, incredible woman. And, um, my relationship with her is, I mean, is great now. I mean, and you know, she's 
you know, not only my mom, but she's one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a rocky relationship when I was a teenager. But as a teenager, I was very, I was very, uh, I was very rebellious. I was a punk rock kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like just leave. I would go leave town and hitchhike to Chicago and you know were you really rebellious yeah. were you like I'm getting away from these dumb girls yeah uh, yeah I mean I think it was just yeah, I think everybody was dumb at that point you well know? yeah yeah but um so there was would you just like leave your house yeah. without saying where you were going yeah mm-hmm. you would disappear I would just disappear that's so bad I know it was a really bad that kid. doesn't sound like somebody who would be getting A's I didn't. I mean, and that is so, so, but the, see what I, I, I dropped out of high school. I went to public high school. I dropped out. And where I, was that? Where did you go to school? I went to school in Arlington, Massachusetts. Oh, which is a night, like a really nice middle class town. Well, now it is. Now it, back then it was very working class, mm-hmm. uh, very hardcore, um, uh, Irish and Roman Catholic uh-huh. and very, very super working class. Like, right. I mean, like my friend's dads were like brick masons. And, but you know, white, like, white working class. White, yes. Very white. Yeah, there was, I mean, we actually happened to live next to pretty much one of the only black families in were, town lived next door to was us. Was it Republican white cl- white working class? You know, I didn't really, I, I, it, it was very conservative. Yeah. It, it, that's a really tricky thing when you start talking about Massachusetts because Massachusetts can be, I mean, they can be Democrats, but super, super conservative. Sure. You know? But would it have been like a judgmental type of community? Oh, extremely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, in me being, you know, you know, also very religious. Like I moved there when I was seven and we, my sisters and I first day of school um, got chased home from school. The kids throwing rocks at us, calling us bastards because because my mom was divorced and remarried. Nice. Yeah. And I didn't know what a bastard was. I remember my mom having to explain it to me. But there were but there, <laughs> there were like but but there were kids who whose parents wouldn't let them hang out with us or play with us at all because we were, because we were yeah because my parents were divorced. Wow. I mean, then this was the 70s, and this was so it was a really, it was a super different time. And like I said, Arlington was a very, very different place back then. Wow. So you, do you do, I mean, you know, I can say it was little, it was like that when I was growing up too. So yeah. was that like a, that was like, were you ostracized? Was that oh, a self conscious? Yep. Was yeah, yeah, that yeah. a big self conscious thing? Very ostracized. I was, I mean, and, and also I was ostracized for being smart. I was like the smart kid. Uh, and so, you know, I got beat up for being a brain. Like, you know, it doesn't make any sense now when you talk like, mm-hmm. oh, he got beat up because he was smart, you know, asshole, smart guy, you know, but that's what, that's what people did. And, um, like being different, you were different. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, right, were you good different. at sports? Cause sports no, is terrible. Oh, see that, that's the bad thing. That's a, con- you sure you're not a, you're Jew, Jewish? That's such a Jewish I'm, I'm stereotype. Sure I'm, I'm, not, Jewish. I'm not Jewish. I grew up with a lot of. I grew up I'm in a Jewish. Sure. I went to Jewish, very Jewish oriented high school. You would have fit in great there. Too bad. Well, yeah, this was a very Catholic high school, and everybody. It was very, very sports oriented town uh, too. And I remember like pleading with my mom to like, so I could like, can I please try out for little league, even though I didn't know how to play baseball. When I first moved there, and she let me. And the first moment I was on the field, I got um, hit in the head by, you know, like a line drive, Uh. (laughs) like basically knocked out and carried off. And that it was at that moment that, um, you know, my parents and my dad in particular went, okay, you know, we got to find something that this kid is good at. And that's when they put me into children's theater, and that's when I hold oh, sort of theatrical thing started. Yeah. So you were a theater kid all. I was. A th- I was. I was a theater kid. So I had like these friends that from the Boston Children's Theater that were from all all different kinds of communities around Boston, um, and then 
Um, and then the people in, in my town I didn't really hang out with very much. And then I dropped out of high school when I was 16. Wow. What did you do? Or like uh, how did that happen? Well, it happened because I, I was hanging out again. Like I was really involved in the punk rock scene in Boston. And mm-hmm. um, my friends, a lot of my friends were went to this school called the Cambridge School in Weston, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool, super progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, like, you know, they didn't have desks, they had couches, and they read great literature, and they called their teachers by their first names, and I was like, I want to go to that school. That's the school I want to go to, and but we couldn't afford it, right? We were, didn't, we're right. really not very, we're not, we're not a rich family, and so I had this grand plan that I was going to... Um, I was going to drop out. I was going to go to work for a year, get to some kind of great job somewhere <laughs> and and uh, make enough money to be able to go to that school. Well, I did drop out and I think that I got two jobs. One was cleaning uh, uh, offices in Harvard Square mm-hmm. and the other one was telemarketing for the Boston Globe and I really wasn't making any money. Mm. And... But I continued to go through this process of of applying to this school. And my mom was freaking out. And my mom goes, well, she would continually say, I don't know what you're going to do if you get into this school. And my answer to her was always this very flippant kind of like, well, I'm going to go is what I'm going to do. She's like, well, I don't know how you're going to do that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know either, but I'm going to. And so it got, I applied to the school. They accepted me. They accepted me as a high risk student. um, And uh, I didn't really get any scholarship money, mm-hmm. but uh, it came down to like, it was like a week before I had to pay, like put a deposit and I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. I came home from uh, wherever I was one day and there was an envelope for me uh, from a, a law firm in Florida, mm-hmm. which I opened it up and there was a check for $20,000 mm. inside. And wow. uh, it, this was the, my, my grandparents had died several years earlier and I had no idea that there was any inheritance coming from them oh, wow. at all. That's crazy. But then right at the right time. That's crazy. Right? Right? Wow. What a sign. Did you go nuts? Oh, my God. My mom cried. My oh mom my was God. my mom like broke down in tears. She must that must have made her really feel like really happy. Oh my God, she, she was so happy. She was so relieved, wanted. and I and I was like, I, crazy. I, I, I know. Does that wow? That's like you know, that's like from the you know coming back from the dead. That makes me I know. believe in ghosts. I know. Well, I know. I know. And I, I remember like I remember telling the story to one of my uh, t- first teachers in college when I first went to NYU, mm-hmm. and she going like that just really makes you believe in a higher power. It sure does. You know? That's crazy. Yeah. So that must have been such a great moment in your life. Like, was that a, like a like was that? Um, I mean, I'm, well, ima- I'm imagining that you know, you know what that was. That was the moment that I started to understand that if you behave as if something is going to happen, mm-hmm. the likelihood that that thing will happen is going to go up. Now, not that anything supernatural made that check appear, mm-hmm. but if I had given up, mm-hmm. if I had, if I had said, okay, well, I'm going to proceed as if I'm not going to get into this school and I'm going to go back mm-hmm. to our, you know what I mean? The check would have come. And I would have gone, oh, well, this would have been really useful, <laughs> you know, had I stayed on that track. 
Right, you right, know? right, right. It, it was like you were in, right, right. Because, I mean, if you had just been, a, if it had been a passing thought, you would have gotten the same check and it would have been like, you know, who knows, you'd be riding around in a car or something. Right, I, right exactly. I probably would have bought something really expensive yeah. and stupid and that would have been it. So that that is that is pretty. But um, so it sounds like you started really finding yourself with the theater people more, right? Did, yeah, you, yeah. Once, yeah. So were you like into, you were into music, obviously, but were you also into like, acting and were you going to be oh totally I mean that was that was my I mean you know I went when I first went to college I, in 1984 I set off to for New York and I went to NYU with the idea that I was going to I went to the theater program experimental theater wing oh, and wow. this idea that I was going to be an actor and and I actually was, you know, did that for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I actually, you know, kind of made my living for a little bit doing wow. that. Well, what kinds of things were you Well, in? I started, I mean, when I was at NYU, I started working with the director, Robert Wilson. Really? Wow. Yeah. And um, so did uh, did a couple shows with him and sort of, you know, did a, an opera in Italy at La Scala and then toured, wow, toured you, Europe with kidding. this. you're kidding. No, yeah. Wow. And I was like, that's when I was tw- like 21 years old. And singing? No, 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 no. So he, the will, the way Wilson oh, did Wilson, it, is he, right. it was Wilson, right? So he did. Uh, he had the. It was Salome, and he had the operas. Uh, excuse me, the opera singers sing concert style, while the actors did all the the, uh, the, the, the movement, all this grand, this grand movement on the on the stage. Wow. Uh, and it was really great. And but again, like I, so I was really super young, and I thought that oh, I was like, this is how my life is going to be, right? I'm mm-hmm. just going to be like the rest of my life, kind of flying around on you know mm-hmm. in first class from city to city and living in hotels and doing these like great pieces of art. And of course, that didn't you know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. didn't that didn't last. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. But but um, you had you had some pretty big experiences, and and it obviously led you put you on a path to where you are now. I mean, you've been yeah. on a path. Okay, so we're getting towards the end, and like I just want to wrap before we wrap up. Um, I want to um, go back to just because just because I don't want to think that I want no stone unturned. Okay. Um, we had started talking about your sexuality, and we it's clear. Like I understand that you were saying you were bisexual, and I we got a good picture, I think, or at least a reasonable picture of the females. You know, your interest in women. So, what right. about men? Like, was that always there, or have you had any relationships with men? I have not had relationships with men, and I don't really, um, I don't really desire them that much, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And and I think that I mean, even just. You know, my calling myself bisexual is just more of it's, you know, it's not, it's not something that I'm that I actively pursue or right. I'm actively involved in. It's just that, you know, the, the very limited experience that I do have, you know, was sort of like I was kind of like, oh, well, that didn't totally suck, you know. <laughs> so, so you like to right. think of yourself mm. more in, on the spectrum than in one way or another. Exactly. Right? Like I mean, we're I, all bisexual. Right, right, okay. right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. I just wanted to be clear, clear about that. Um, yeah. Was there anything else? Let me think just for a second. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, you know, we could we could really uh, we could really. So it sounds like you had a pretty um, sounds like there's a lot of love in your family. Right. And it sounds like there was. What about your stepfather? I wanted you didn't talk about him at all. Well, I mean, that? my stepfather was um, not around for very long. He might my. my my mom remarried when I was seven. That's when I moved to Arlington. And then they divorced 
by the time I was 13. So that lasted about, that lasted six years. Um, That's a long time in those years. Yeah, it it is. And it was, that was also difficult. I mean, that was because he was very much, um, he was, became sort of like a father figure, but then he sort of stopped being that, you know, and didn't really communicate. He just sort of, and it was very confusing as a small child. Like, why is this guy like who was just, like my dad now not talking to me at all. So did you feel and it had nothing to do with me? It had to do with the way their relationship was going. Sure. So yeah. Do you feel like maybe a little emotionally abandoned by him at some point? Probably. I mean, honestly, I feel like I barely even remember him at this point. I don't really mm. think about him very much at all. Mm. So do, do 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 you ever talk about this stuff with your sisters? About him? No. Uh. Uh-uh. He's 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 but, been kind of like. Yeah, it's, but it was a long time ago, and and none of us really, I don't know, really give enough of a shit at this point to like even talk about it. So what's so how often so so your mom must have been like the you must, did you take drugs too in high school? Uh, was there drinking and drugs? Yeah, there was drinking and drugs. There was well, I mean, I wasn't shooting heroin, but I was no. you know I was I was definitely <laughs> drinking beer and smoking weed and. Uh, how about LSD? Like, yeah, I mean, I did acid. Ups and downs. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did acid in high school, but like, not. It wasn't like a total acid head. I would do it like you know every so often with some friends or whatever. So, um, so you weren't like going over. Did your mom know that there was that going on, or was? Oh, totally. She knew. And so that must have been upsetting for her. Um. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it was. So was there? Honestly, I don't think she like really thought that. You know, most smoking pot was the biggest, you know, she had faith in you. Tragedy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So was there kind of a reconciliation at some point when you became an adult with her? I I think so. I mean, I think it happened in my early 20s when I just sort of, you know, and and I actually did move back home for a while after I went to NYU and moved back to Boston for a bit. And, um. I live with my mom and yeah I mean and like I said like we you know we're really good friends and we used to like go to the theater together and you know mm-hmm. um, you know she's you know she was just she was she was really cool and I never felt like she ever really held a grudge against me you know for, yeah, for right. being a bad teenager I just was you know I was a bad teenager and that's and then you that's, move on. That's how you form being, uh, you find your own identity. Yeah, I mean, I, I really feel like most of the interesting people I know are, were bad teenagers. Yeah, I so, think you're right. You I know. agree with, I totally agree with that. So we're almost done here, aren't we? So I just want to, yeah. let's let's do another station identification, Brooklyn Free Radio. Um, this is Radio Doc- Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn, sorry. This is Dr. Lisa with um, Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I also wanted to, just before we leave, I wanted to give my uh, good friend Holly Dorito a shout out because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't know Reverend Jen and I wouldn't know Tom and I wouldn't have the dog I have because Holly has uh, been responsible for uh, giving a lot of dogs great homes and just being a really good friend to me personally. So I just want to put that out there. Okay. Thank you. Are we done here? Yeah, one more minute. minute. Okay. Fill it up. One more minute. Fill it up. So um, I got through this. I'm pretty good. It was it was good. I enjoyed I enjoyed myself, and I'm looking forward to uh, my next session, which will be well. We're, we're going to replay this during the week, I guess. It'll and tomorrow, tomorrow too. And then my next session, live session with another patient, will be next Friday at two. So um, we will see you then. Maybe we'll fade out on the music. What do you think? Because I played, uh, if you didn't notice, I played I'd Like to Give the World a Coke in honor of the Mad Men 
closing episode, final episode. We all remember that. Okay, let's get that on. Here it is. Let's see what happens. Um, there we go. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. 